there's something about it. There's something about, you know, fighting back those, those demons of, of insecurity or thinking that you can't do something. There's something about crossing that finish line uh, and, and the, the entire journey up to that, that is just so worth it over and over again. I learn something about myself every single time. <laughs> Hurdlers, Emily here. You are listening to episode 125 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about everything from their big wins to how they've gotten through some of life's toughest moments. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. Today, I am bringing you my conversation with Myrna Valerio. She is a runner, a speaker, and an author amongst many, many talents. You may know her better as at the Mernovator on Instagram. And after meeting her on set last year, I was writing an article about her for Women's Health. There is no better way to sum up her vibe than overwhelming positivity. In the episode today, we chat about how she got into this active lifestyle after a really big health scare in 2008 when she was driving through the middle of Pennsylvania when she started to get chest pains and thought she was having a heart attack. She didn't have a heart attack, but her cardiologist basically said that if she didn't make some essential changes to her lifestyle, she wasn't gonna be able to watch her son grow up. And so she started running. She hopped on a treadmill that she had in her home and slowly over time picked up the distance. And I'm not just talking a mile, two miles, a 5K. Now, Myrna has done a slew of marathons, a slew of ultra marathons, and it seems as though she is unstoppable. We talked about what it was like to start from scratch in the sport. We also chat about her positive outlook and how she manages to keep that some new hobbies she's picking up, and her best advice for anyone who feels as though they just can't sometimes. Before we get into it, I do want to give some love to my sponsors. Thank you so much for partnering with Hurdle for this new season. These sponsors are how I bring you this content week after week, so I highly encourage you to click on over to the links in the show notes and give them a look-see. First up, I want to take some time to give some love to Daily Harvest. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I need a summer vacation from cooking, which is important because this year, not many of us are getting <laughs> real summer vacations. With the exception of my favorite pizza Friday, Lately, I've been skipping out on meal prep and kind of keeping things easy with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest is a life saver. They help you stock your home with clean, delicious food that's built on real fruits and vegetables. They're farm frozen to lock in peak nutrients and taste, and they have a ton, ton, ton of options from smoothies, my favorite is the mint cacao, to harvest bowls, the Brussels sprouts pad thai is out of this world, they have flatbreads and so much more. And the best part is that all of these, they're ready to enjoy in just minutes. 
Keep it simple this summer with Daily Harvest. Go on over to dailyharvest.com, enter promo code HURDLE25 to get $25 off your first box. Again, that's promo code HURDLE25 for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. Next up, my friends at Athletic Greens the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. Now, I'm just gonna say it, even with a balanced diet, it is difficult to cover all of your nutritional bases. And that is where Athletic Greens comes in for me. Their daily drink, it's like nutritional insurance for your body that's delivered straight to your door. It's packed with adaptogens for recovery, probiotics and digestive enzymes for gut health, and vitamin C and zinc citrate for immune support. Athletic Greens is an easy all-in-one solution to help your body meet its nutritional needs. It's also only got one gram of sugar and tastes so good. Whether you're looking to boost your energy, support your immune system, or address gut health, now is the perfect time to try Athletic Greens for yourself. Simply head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to claim my special offer today. Receive a free D3K2 wellness bundle with your first purchase. This is a new offer for hurdle listeners, which I am so amped about because vitamin D3 and K2 combines the essential nutrients to help support the heart, immune system, and respiratory system. Again, get a one-year supply of vitamin D with your Athletic Greens purchase. You'd be hard-pressed to find a more comprehensive nutritional bundle anywhere else. Athleticgreens.com slash hurdle, no code necessary. I do have a little bit of housekeeping here to do. If you have not signed up for the weekly hurdle newsletter just yet, I highly encourage you to do so by clicking on over to the show notes. Also, two new hurdle sessions in the queue on the hurdle podcast event bright page. First up this week, how to find your power alone. I have so many discussions in the DMs with women who are struggling, whether they are attached or not attached, in a relationship, not in a relationship, to be good just being on their own, to feel comfortable spending time alone. It's something that I struggled with, certainly, for years. And please, there are still times that I struggle with it. But I have learned how to manage and even enjoy and embrace solo time and fight the feelings of loneliness, which surely, surely do seep in. So highly recommend checking that out with me this week. Also, Hurdle's new token Hurdle session called Handling Hurdle Moments, how to show up to challenge and what is commonly referred to as failure with a positive outlook and emerge on the other side, a more confident and ultimately happier version of yourself. I am so, so excited for this one in particular. There are limited spots available, only up to 20 participants. So for more details on all of that, again, click on over to the show notes and you can find them there. Of course, always on social at Emily Abadi at Hurdle Podcast. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Myrna Valerio. She is an author. She is a runner. She is a speaker. What other accolades do we want to throw into the mix here? I'm a new cyclist. I am an adventurer in general. I'm a mom. That's an adventure. 
like a mom of a teenager. I love uh, I love that you're a new cyclist. I'm a new cyclist. I know, and I love seeing your cycling journey. Let's let's wrap about this for a second. So you've been riding gravel, not that I stalk you or anything. <laughs> nah. <laughs> yeah, I've been riding gravel, and it's been amazing. Well, here in Vermont, I live in Vermont. Um, it's uh, about fifty percent paved roads, and then um, the other, all the other roads are gravel or dirt roads. And right. so um, it is. Uh, it's kind of a imperative to have a gravel bike here. And so that's what I have. And it has been such an incredible journey. Uh, I've been having a wonderful time. I hired an instructor to teach me all there is to know about gravel bikes and just cycling in general. And so we've been having a great time. In fact, we're going out today later on. Um, and I just did a photo shoot this morning <laughs> on my bike. You guys hear that Myrna is a, a laugher. And recently she was on Rich Roll. Congratulations on that. And I love what you said in your tweet about the podcast. You said, want to hear me giggle, TBH. You got to giggle when stuff gets heavy. And that's so true, right? Like laughter is such a defense mechanism. It absolutely is. You know, laughter is really a very, very helpful thing in our lives as humans uh, because there's there's so much darkness and there's so much heaviness and there's so many difficult times, uh, especially now. <laughs> and um, it is really healing to be able to laugh and to like get some of that sort of negative energy out. I once did a course on um, or a uh, like I was at a conference and did a workshop on um, laughter as a healing mechanism. And, uh, you know, we went through some like trauma that I had been through previously and used laughter to kind of get it out of my system. And it was a lot of laughter and a lot of crying at the same time. But uh, it, it just felt so good to That's be able so to do that. And so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have like the specifics on it, but it, you know, um, you know, I think it's definitely something that we need more of, especially now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you, as you said, you guys definitely talked about some heavy stuff on that episode, but you're actually talking about that kind of stuff fairly often. You offer a introduction to anti-racism workshop. Is that right? I do. And, and boy, do I have to laugh a lot because that is some heavy stuff. I, uh, you know, I, I just, I laugh a lot in my life um, because, you know, speaking, it causes a lot of strife uh, in individual people. It has caused a lot of strife in our general world community in, in the last couple of months and, you know, over the last 400 years. Um, <laughs> you know, it is, it's a very touchy subject, especially when you're talking about people's identities and and, and how they identify and how, um, you know, how very often we're not able to see and appreciate others, you know, world perspectives and their lived experiences, um, you know, unless we look at our own. And so it's really, it's really tough to talk about those things. And so, you know, anytime I can uh, joke around or be light about something, I think it actually helps to maintain the integrity of what we're talking about, because, you know, we, as humans, we go through all of these different um emotions and uh that's what we do and so i try to sort of echo that and when i'm when i'm talking about these really difficult subjects 
has this work been something that you've been involved in for some time now, or is this something that's relatively new for you? It is. It's not new, <laughs> um, but it was. Uh, it was work. This when uh, the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion work. This work it was something that I have been doing, or that I had been doing for a, around fifteen years in an educational setting, or in various educational settings. I was. Uh, my last job was as a director of equity and inclusion at a school down in Georgia. Uh, I formulated curriculum. I did seminars. I did workshops. I did uh, lots of. Um, professional development for my fellow colleagues and administrators in the area of diversity, equity, inclusion. And um, and so I very intentionally left that work in 2018 when I decided to go rogue and become a professional, you know, athlete. And so as racism, you know, came to the forefront again and again, uh, starting with the knowledge of the murder of Ahmaud Arbery and then Breonna Taylor and and many, many others. And then, and then with the whole situation with Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper in Central Park, you know, I learned how to run there. So that just <laughs> that just kind of hit me in my heart. Um, and, uh, and and all of the other sort of uh, subsequent events and protests and stuff, I was called back into the work. And, you know, I people reached out to me, a lot of people reached out to me and asked me, a lot of white people, uh, and asked me, what is it, what was it that they could do? How could they be better advocates or better allies? And um, I was not willing to answer a lot of questions uh, because there were many, many questions. I wasn't willing to do that for free because this was something that I had done professionally. So I formulated a class uh, which sold out several times. <laughs> Um, you know, which is just, you know, an introduction to um, social justice, identity and anti-racism. And uh, because I wanted to give people some tools and some language to start having deeper conversations about these things. Um, you know, it's not I, I don't come in with the sort of corporate strategy approach. I am I am mostly concerned with individuals and their interactions with other individuals and being able to see each other's various identities and the, the various sort of aspects of you know who they are and to be able to, to to honor you know how they might see the world and how they experience the world and so um, you know I think once we're able to do that then we can really really tackle the systemic stuff but yeah, I, I think we can tackle both things at the same time but but my my specialty and I think where my skill lies is in the individual interactions Got you. Okay. Well, you mentioned in this synopsis briefly of leaving that last occupation to be a full-time athlete in 2018, but let's bring it back maybe even to the early 2000s when if I was to tell you that you would do that in 2018, you would have been like, girl, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Talk to me about the beginning of your relationship with being an athlete and with even just moving your body. I I um, was always active. I grew up in Brooklyn, and um, we and I grew up in a time where we spent a lot of time outside. Um, I lived in a building with a lot of my family members, a lot of cousins, aunts, uncles. I had younger uh, I had a younger brother and a younger sister at the point. Um, and we, 
we were always outside. We were always going from park to park, um, going to free lunch <laughs> at, you know, the public schools in the area. I grew up in Bushwick. And so there were lots of uh, places to eat free lunch and free breakfast. And we'd just be outside all the time. And uh, we, we never had any money for us to participate in any organized sports. So when I went to high school and I went to boarding school in Westchester, I went to the master school, pretty amazing school. And I'm now on the board. Um, I want, I really, really wanted to play a sport. I didn't know what sport I wanted to play, but I want, I knew I wanted to be on a team. And so um, the, the day that sports tryouts uh, went on, I looked at the soccer field and they looked like they were dying. So I said, I'm not going to try out for that sport. <laughs> and then I looked at the field hockey field and the, and, and the girls were just, it was an all girls school at this point. The girls were just hanging out. They had, you know, hockey sticks and, and balls. And they were just, you know, kind of shooting the shit. <laughs> and I said, maybe that's the sport that I want to do. And so I went down to the field hockey field. And I had seen field hockey being played on my various visits to different boarding schools when I was applying. Uh, and, it, and it always held some interest for me because I knew nothing about hockey. I knew something about soccer, but nothing about field hockey. And so I went down to the field. And then, uh, you know, we did some introductory stuff and some some icebreakers and then practice started and practice started with a five loop run of the field. And this is where that was my first experience with like not running on the streets of Brooklyn, you know, not playing you know, Mother May I or playing tag. This was like I was in it. I was doing a sport and that nearly killed me. It was about a mile just to warm up. And then after that mile, <laughs> um, we stretched and then we did a timed mile after that. So that was our, that the mile warm up was, it was mind blowing to me as we had to run that much to warm up to run another mile. <laughs> and so, I mean, now I understand it. I get it. Like, you know, I will run five miles to warm up for a, you know, a 20 miler, you know? So, um, but that was it. I was kind of, even though it was really hard and it was, it was so difficult for me because I had never run that much in my life in a sustained way. I, um, you know, and we had two and a half hours of practice after that. So much. I, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's how it is. You know, when you're, when you're doing a team sport, you have a lot of practice and we also had some practices and games on weekends and, but I loved it. I loved I love that challenge. It made my body hurt, but um, I love the challenge of being on, uh, of having to do that. And but being on a team where people respected me, uh, even though I was a bigger girl, I you know I, I had no experience uh, in field hockey or any team sport. And um, you know, but but there was a lot of running. <laughs> there was so much running because you can run up and down the field all practice with a stick and a ball and a and shin guards and a mouth guard and. <laughs> and uh and grass, <laughs> grass. So, so um so I decided I decided actually the day after tryouts uh and you know, I got on the team because it was a small school and you know they needed people on a team um I decided that I needed to learn how to run and I needed to be better at it because there was so much of it and so I, I got up early in the morning again it was a boarding school so I could get up roll down the hill run the five loops around the field and then go back up the hill, take a shower and go to breakfast. And I did that most days of the week because again, I knew that that was the key to being better at that sport. 
And so I realized that that practice made me feel so good. Not necessarily in the moment, but definitely afterwards, you know, because after every run, you know, just feel mostly you, I feel amazing. Even I might, even though I might be tired, even though I might have fallen and smashed my lip in like this morning, um, I just would feel so invigorated. And so I I, I just got addicted to that feeling. And so uh, I continued playing field hockey. I got better at it. I was a better contributor to my team. I played lacrosse later on that, that same year. And I did that throughout my four years in high school, lacrosse and field hockey. And then I would run when I was on break um, or, you know, during the week. And, uh, and that, was, that was my introduction to running and to just like moving my body. I, I never conceived of running as, a, as a, anything else but getting better at my sport. Right. And yeah, and, and, and it just became a part of my life and I couldn't sort of survive <laughs> without it. Uh, and I brought it to college. I ran recreationally in college. I would do the fitness trail just because I was so used to moving my body all the time. And, uh, you know, after college, I also continued running. I took a class at the hospital for special surgery. They had a whole like running clinic that trained us for the um, Avon mini marathon. And, and that was my first experience doing a race. And then I got hooked on that. That was in the late nineties. And then I, um, I got married, um, a couple of years after college and I got married in 2000 and then I had my son in 2003, he's 17 years old now. And, you know, and, and then I moved to Maryland from after living in New York city, my entire life. And that was when things shifted for me and I had to um, prioritize other things. And so kind of exercise and running fell by the wayside and, um, and actually gained a lot of weight while I was in Maryland, mostly because I was so stressed out and I moved down there with my boy. It was just my boy. My husband stayed in New York and um, I hated my job. I like simultaneously loved and hated my job. I loved my students. I loved teaching them, but I didn't like other aspects of the job. And uh, I didn't like Maryland. Um, and uh, it was, I thought it was too far south. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm definitely a snotty New Yorker. So um, I was like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, I mean, that's kind of how that was, you know, my journey. Like I, so I've been running since 1989. So you started running as a ninth grader, but then you moved down to Maryland. You're not running as much. Things feel just not how they once did for you, right? Like when you're incorporating activity regularly in your routine, it's like one thing. But for me, like when I start to lose sight of me moving my body, like I start to see that kind of spiral into other areas as well. Oh, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes, that's so true. Um, (laughs) You verbalize that so well. (laughs) Uh, Because that's exactly (laughs) what happened. I stopped running and you know running was a very very integral part of my life and just because I, it just made me feel so good and i and i was so used to moving my body in that way so when i couldn't do that my my kid was one and a half when i moved down to maryland 
And we were, you know, as I said, we were, it was just me and him and I didn't have any family down there and had a very, very stressful job. Um, and, uh, you know, my husband was still in New York. And so we commuted every other weekend and, and, uh, you know, my, my kid was always sick. So I was missing a lot of work. He was missing a lot of school. I would be called from school all the time to go pick him up. And so I left, <laughs> I went up to, uh, back up North <laughs> to New Jersey and taught at a boarding school there where my job was equally or even more stressful, but at least I was closer to home and I could see my family and, you know, they could help me a little bit. My husband uh, and I, you know, we were back together again. And, um, and so, so yeah, but I continued to not sort of honor movement uh, because I, again, my son was always sick. And so like, I, I spent a lot of time <laughs> You know, making sure he, he was alive. <laughs> and uh, he had pneumonia a couple of times and, you know, he had to be rushed to the hospital. And, and so, and then I was again, always sick and I was working at a, at a boarding school at this point. And, you know, I'm on duty a couple of days a week at night. I'm a full-time teacher and I was on duty on the weekends. I had to do trips with them and activities and stuff. And, and so that, and I was also in grad school. So like the last thing on my mind was, uh, was, you know, going out for a run. And, and so, um, but, but I started having all these sort of like dermatological problems and these dental problems. And I had this like two year long sinus infection. <laughs> and I was like, there's something going on. But you know, I just continued to work and work. I was really good at my job, by the way. I was like, so good at my job. <laughs> and was doing just really well professionally. But um, you know, then then in 2008, um, I, but a year after I got there, that's when I had this health scare where I, I was having a heart attack um, on my way um, up to New Jersey from Maryland where like I had a weekend gig teaching piano lessons and voice lessons and, and Spanish and French and other things. And um, yeah, so I was having a heart attack and I had chest pains at the side of the road. Um, and uh, decided to keep driving, which is not the smart thing to do, mm. <laughs> but I did and uh, got home and had a, uh, one of my, colleagues drive me to the hospital and they, you know, I had to be there for eight hours before they decided I wasn't having a heart attack after a bunch of tests and stuff. And they told me I was having a panic attack. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, I looked at them like they were crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I was like, black people don't have panic attacks. What are you talking about? <laughs> I said this to the doctor and he looked at me like, uh, did you just say that? <laughs> Until that point, had you ever had an actual no, panic attack at all or no? No, no. I, you know, I sort of prided myself on being unflappable and, and, you know, living without anxiety and, um, what a conversation though. Right. Like just this idea that, and I think, I mean, I would say, I like to think that I'm the same way, but having a conversation with yourself that like, you're actually not unflappable and it's okay to have anxiety. And it's totally okay to have and normal because we're human. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, it was crazy to me. I'm like, what? I don't even understand why this would happen to me. But it, of course, in hindsight, with all the things that were going on, and I was constantly worried about my kid, right? Um, and about my job. Um, 
that it, it apparently weighed on me very, very heavily in many different ways, <laughs> in physical ways, in, in emotional and mental ways. And um, so that was, that was the, the sort of wake up call I got um, that I needed when I, when I visited a cardiologist after being in the um, ER. And he told me, you know, that was uh, if I wanted to see my son grow up. So that was it. That was that was that cathartic moment uh, that forced me to to look deeply within and change my lifestyle. And a lot of people think that when I say change my lifestyle, that I meant go on a diet. (laughs) That was not what it was. It was that. Uh, it was, I had so much inflammation in my body because I was so stressed. Like the, the, my cortisol levels were like off the charts and my uh, with C-reactive protein levels were off the charts. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the cardiologist told me that I needed to sleep. Uh, you know, he did want to see me lose a little weight. Um, yeah, I knew how to do that. I was, that was easy. Um, and... But, but I needed to reprioritize my life. I needed to, I mean, he kept saying, you need to sleep. Mm. Um, and you need to make sure that you are getting rest and that you um, I don't know, rearrange whatever you, it is that you need to rearrange, what you need to do better. If you want to see your son grow up, because, you know, it was the, the stress level was so, so high. And again, you know, I'm not, I, I wasn't a person that like, emoted in in like an anxious way but like it, it definitely was going on within me and so you know that took a toll but anyway so um after that cardiologist visit i got on my treadmill um and you know ironically i had i had the treadmill in my apartment and i had purchased it about two or three months before this whole incident and i had not been on it yet at the time why had you purchased that treadmill because, you know, I saw it on HSN <laughs> and I said, you know, I think I need a treadmill, but I, maybe, you know, I think it was in the, in the back of my mind. I knew I needed to be doing something and I knew I, I you know, I always wanted to get back into running because, you know, uh, I was, I lived in such a beautiful area. I lived in central Jersey and I know that people in Jersey don't believe central Jersey exists, but it does. And, you know, it's surrounded by these hills and these beautiful country roads and stuff. And I just, I, I knew that I needed to to, you know, get back on the wagon, so to speak. And, uh, but I hadn't. And, but this was, this was that, this was that, you know, cathartic moment that forced me to get back on it. And I, and I'm so grateful that I had it in my apartment. And so I, you know, I got on it and it was hard. It was really tough. It was so hard to not be able to run a full mile, um, which was something that I had done very easily. (laughs) Um, yeah, but and it just I just felt it was it was physically painful, it was emotionally painful to to uh you know get get on that treadmill and not be able to do that. But I said, you know, well, here I am. I know eventually that I will feel better and that I will be able to run that mile again. Um, and that this will be easy for me again. But today is not that day. <laughs> but I gotta work to get there. And so that's what I did. I I, I you know, I would run a mile or run walk a mile every day, sometimes every other day. And I, and I would pair that with some exercise or some videos. Um, I was really into like crunch videos. 
<laughs> um, and these like yoga lotties videos and, and biggest loser videos, uh, you know, even though like that show is so, so problematic. Um, I, um, I watched it because I wanted to see what the workouts were. Um, but looking back on it, it's just so damaging and, and traumatic to those people that, that participated in that. But, um, I think, um, I think it was, it was helpful to me at the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what it did. And, uh, and I started feeling better and it took a couple of weeks for me to really see some improvement just kind of like in my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did lose some weight. Um, and, uh, but it really forced me to kind of reckon with my own health and how my, my health was uh, crucial to the health of my family. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, and I have not stopped since <laughs> that, was, that was in 2008. So talk to me about the Clinton country run 5k in 2009. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was so long ago. Mm. That was, yeah, that was a country 5k. Uh, it was a former, track star, Olympic track, uh, athlete who hosted this 5k. And I went and it was, uh, it was very painful. Were you scared? <laughs> it an, it, it, I know I wasn't scared because I had done 5k's before. I was just, I was curious to see how I would do and how my body would feel afterwards. Uh, because I had been, uh, running at this point, I had been running up to three miles and sometimes four miles on my runs. And, um, so I just, I was curious. I was like, what is this going to feel like after so many years of not doing a 5k? And, um, you know, and it was, it was, long. <laughs> it felt very, very long. I wish, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's very interesting, like, you know, perspective and hindsight, right. You know? Um, and so I like, I think, I don't even remember what my time was. And, but, but I was like, at the end, I said, well, I, well, I gotta get better at this. Um, and that's what I do. Like, I, I gotta get better at this. <laughs> Something is really hard. Uh, and it's not necessarily a great experience. I want it to be a better experience. So I work towards making it better. And so I, I, I think, you know, so the Clinton 5k was, I, I did that, that summer also it was, you know, just part of my, the process that I put myself through to just get better at running and to, to, to be the, the healthier version of myself that I, that I once was. And um, so I did a lot of 5k's that summer. <laughs> I did a lot of 5k's, uh, a a couple of 10Ks uh, and I dragged my friends <laughs> into it with me. And uh, and then things really started changing fairly, uh, fairly drastically, um, you know, just in terms of like my energy level and how I felt about myself, how I moved, um, you know, how I was able to like wake up really early in the morning, run a couple of miles on the treadmill, watch, you know, Netflix shows. And, um, early Netflix, you know, <laughs> when we still had the DVDs and, uh, and, uh, and then just do what I needed to do and like, and get through an entire day of teaching. Um, and then 
a night of being on duty in the dorm and be okay and not feel completely exhausted or spent at the end. And so, and, you know, I just really, I, I dug that feeling and I, and I felt like myself again. And so I continued to do that, um, you know, throughout my, my time in Jersey. And then they asked me to coach because, um, you know, Hey, why not get paid to run (laughs) with students? Right, right, (laughs) right. And you know what? It was the greatest thing. It was so fun. I loved almost every moment of of coaching cross country uh, for many for many girls who had never been on a who had never been able to, you know, exercise and like do something sports related without being laughed at or told that they can't do it or told that they're too uncoordinated. And, and so it was really fun sort of introducing this sport to them and, and, you know, seeing the growth, uh, not just their sort of athletic growth, but the, 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 the sort of uh, mental growth and that, that spiritual growth, not spiritual in another, like a, a religious sense, but like just that, you know, the knowledge, the very deep knowledge of self that comes with participating in running. And it's like so special at that age in particular, like as someone myself, and you talked about your relationship with sport when you were younger and that you had much more of a relationship than I did. But as an adult now that has a very serious relationship with sport to watch how that impacts teen women, it it makes me feel so many ways. Like I went to the, uh, the Nike cross nationals a few years ago and watched just the sportsmanship and their beautiful, beautiful relationships. And, and, you know, I reflect on that and say to myself, like, I wish I had, I wish I had that growing up. Oh man. It's so important. You know, I think, you know, when women have deep knowledge of their bodies and like, you can achieve that in many ways, but I think sports is like, a major, major, major way, whether it's an yeah. individual sport or a team sport, to have a very, very intimate connection with your body, to know what's going on, to know what, you know, what it what it means to feel a certain way, uh, and what it is to honor the strength and and the the sort of the incredibleness that a body is. <laughs> I think that sports is like a, a really, really good way to do that, and so um, and 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 the confidence. Uh, in your own strength, the confidence just in your own ability, um, you know, your mental ability, your mental acuity, your physical ability, or your agility, to, the, the, the confidence that you get from that um, is, is really, really important as, a, as an educator, yeah. as, a, as, a, as a coach. Uh, to see that growth in in young girls and, and young women is really, really incredible. And it definitely helps with all the other stuff that that teenagers and you know teenagers are confronted with please it helps it helps me today (laughs) seriously like yeah seriously I think I'd be a a different person if I if I didn't have running if I didn't have some sort of sport I think uh maybe I'd feel differently about the fact that I'm fat (laughs) you know just this morning when I fell flat on my face um you know I've been having like a lot of people and you talked about this earlier on your podcast about a lot of us, but not all of us have gained, I've gained weight during COVID and yeah. during quarantine because well, I'm also injured. So like I haven't been able to go out running and, um, and, and so, so I've had some feelings about that. And, but when I fell flat on my face this morning and my face immediately got numb because that's the reaction 
that my body had to falling flat on my face. I was like, this is incredible. Wow. My body knew to numb my face as soon as I hit the, it was a big log because I mean, that's how it works. That's how the adrenaline works. And then it didn't start hurting until about a minute or two into me, like sort of untangling myself from the ferns and the bushes. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, wow, wow. I mean, like the body is an incredible machine. There's like nothing like when you get back to being active or whatnot after an injury and you just start to feel like yourself again. And even the smallest victories, it just feels like such a great opportunity to be you. Yep. Yeah. I mean, even, even, you know, I'm, I'm about to get uh, meniscus surgery in a couple of weeks. Right. And I haven't been really able to run, but I've been able to hike and, and cycle. And, um, uh, and uh, I was, I was definitely falling into a hole of despair at the beginning of this uh, or the beginning of like knowing that I had more than a, like a, a minor injury. Yeah. Because I wasn't able to run or I run and my whole leg would swell up. And so, um, and so that was kind of out of character for my body. And, uh, and so I was, I was falling into a hole, but then, uh, I, you know, I have the, the, the fortune of, of sharing a parking lot with, a an outfitter and bike shop. And so they hooked me up with a bike and they're like, Hey, you know, use it, you know, don't pay us. <laughs> it's okay. Just use it until, because you know, I was going to buy a bike anyway, because I couldn't really run. And, um, and so that kind of brought me out of that because it was, I could see myself, I could feel myself falling into this dark place that was uh, unusual. And you know, it was a place that I didn't really know. taking a break from today's episode to talk to you again about my friends at Daily Harvest. Listen, I have this thing that I cannot end the day without something sweet. Literally, I have been working my way through the ice cream aisle over these past few months, which is why I nearly screamed when I saw that Daily Harvest was launching Scoops, their new plant-based ice cream. Unlike what I was reaching for, Scoops are free of additives, preservatives, and fillers because they are made with whole, nourishing, organic ingredients like black sesame, coconut cream and dragon fruit. They have four amazing flavors and my favorite without a doubt is the strawberry and rich rippled berry compote. It tastes so fresh. I've never been a big berry ice cream person until I tried this and my mind was just blown. Head on over to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code HURDLE25 to get $25 off your first Box. Again, that's promo code HURDLE25 for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. How do you flip the script in that case? I mean, aside from obviously just this exciting opportunity to get on a bike, like what is it? What's the dialogue happening inside your head there? Well, I had to figure out what else I could do. I was like, you know, I'm in this position where I get paid to be active. <laughs> I get paid to be on trails. I get paid to, you know, do these athletic things. And so I didn't really have a choice. 
And so I had to figure out something else that I would be able to do. So I said that I kind of sort of pivoted over to hiking a lot. Um, and with, even with hiking with my knee issue, by the way, like this is the first knee issue I've ever had out of like the, since 1989. Right, right. <laughs> and, um, and so I, uh, so I said, you know, like there's something else that I got to do. And, and so what, like, hiking downhill was and still is painful because of the stupid meniscus. <laughs> so I can go up. I can go up and up and up and up. And, and but like coming down is, 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 is pretty um, uncomfortable. So I had to do something. So I said, you know, let me let me get on a bike because I have to I need to train for endurance anyway. I just need to always be trained for <laughs> endurance. Yeah. And so um, you know, and it became this sort of second love. Uh and I started feeling like myself again. Uh because I could go greater distances. I could feel like I really did something. <laughs> and uh but that's when I really, really you know, the other day I or a couple of days ago I was doing this virtual fundraising event called Point the Point to Point Run the Point to Point Race, I think. And you can either run or 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 bike. And so obviously I I was on the bike and I went out with the owner of the outfitter here and um and my cycling instructor. And so we went out, uh we Max and I, who was Max is my um instructor, we were gonna go out and do a flat-ish 25 miles. Uh, nothing is really flat here, but flat-ish, you know, relatively flat. Um, but the owner <laughs> of the uh, bike shop had other ideas and took us on the super, super hilly, where it, it was so hilly that I I had to get off and, and walk a couple of stretches uh, because I don't, those muscles aren't quite developed yet. And so, um, but, you know, we did 17 miles and I had to go back out later on that day and do nine more miles so I can make 25 and or uh, eight more miles rather. And um, but that was the first day I really I was like, this is what I do. This because I hated myself going up those hills. I was like, I got to be better at this. This is I suck so much at this. I, you know, um, I'm going to have to do some hill repeats. <laughs> so, so I felt like I was like, this is this is what I do. I'm an endurance athlete. I have these conversations with myself. I hate myself for even signing up for doing this, but, um, those downhills were sweet. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, this is, this is, this is it. This is what I do. You know, whether it's running or, or being on a mountain or, or cycling now, this is what I do. And that's, this is me. This is who I am. I love that. So talk to me and give me some context about when you originally took this from being a, a 5k road race sort of situation to getting to the half marathon, the marathon and beyond. So I started out you know, training for 5k's and, uh, and just wanting to get better at those. I wanted to drop my time and I wanted to be able to run longer with less walking. I wanted to feel better after afterwards. I didn't want to feel like I couldn't run for the next three days <laughs> when I did a 5K. And so I kept doing a lot of them and I eventually got better at them and my times dropped. And, uh, and then I just wanted more. So I signed up for some 10Ks. Uh, 10K is not my favorite distance, by the way. Just, I don't know. It's just like you, you never know how fast to go. I mean, I'm slow, 
<laughs> anyway, but like, let's clarify for the hurdlers what you define slow is. Okay, for me, uh, a lot of people think that a ten minute mile is slow. I think a ten minute mile is, is fast, and I've always tried to um, get to a ten minute ten minute mile. But I've never, even as a varsity athlete, uh, you know, who practiced two and a half hours a day uh, in high school, and was never able to get under a ten minute mile or a ten minute mile or under. Uh, my fastest mile ever has been 1034. And again, for a lot of people, you know, even mid packers, uh, you know, a 10 minute mile is kind of standard. Uh, not for me. I, you know, I hover right now, you know, when I was training for the Boston Marathon in 2018, and I was doing a lot of miles, you know, for me, a lot of miles is like 40 to 50 miles a week. And, um, uh, I was able to get my mile down to 11 minutes <laughs> and that was real. That's really fast, but not really fast, but it's pretty fast for me. Yeah. That's like my tempo pace. Right. And so, um, you know, as I, you know, as I do, when I do more trail running, I get way slower and even on the roads. And so I, you know, it's like hover anywhere between 13 and 15 miles of miles, um, an hour, not, not an hour, 13 minute miles, like 13, 14 minute miles. Um, and you know, and you know, sometimes they're slower depending because I stop a lot. I will take selfies. I will, and I don't stop my watch. <laughs> yeah. I happen to have to, you know, uh, run alone a lot of the time because many people are faster and that's okay with me. I'm an introvert anyway, and I'd rather be alone uh, on my run because it's, you know, I, I don't like to talk to people when I'm running uh, or it has to be social. Yeah, but sometimes I do. I mean, it's slow is relative, but, you know, just in, in terms of like the average pieces of most people, it's it's on the slow side. So speaking um, of yeah. the word slow, I mean, at one point you so much embraced this concept of slowness that you created your an expletive coming slow as fuck trail running retreat. Yes. Yes. Uh, I still have them. When you created this, I mean, and I, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to throw it into the world here. When you created this, did you just think like there are other people that run how I run and they need to feel like they're not alone in wanting to run like I run? Well, that's absolutely why I created them. Uh, people kept asking me to create a retreat, but I, I wanted it to be a retreat for people like me who want those epic vistas and and they want to be on the, the most awesome trails and they want to run around lakes and you know and do some rock scrambling but they don't want to do it fast <laughs> or they can't do it fast or or you know or there actually I do have some faster people that join my retreats but I'm like I warn them I'm like look you know we're not going fast and it doesn't really make any sense uh, for you to want to go fast or want to train while you're at this retreat because we're going to stop a lot. We're going to, you know, have a picnic. <laughs> we're going to take selfies. We're going to do a whole photo shoot. I'm going to teach you how to, you know, I'm going to teach you how to run downhill. So it's going to be a whole thing. And it's, it's this is not a competitive thing. If you there And there are tons of experiences for those types of runners. Yeah. All right. Well, I got you so off track here when I asked you to define slow and then talked about your retreats and never let you tell me about how you got into marathoning. So talk to me about the marathon. 
so, you know, again, you know, it was just uh, a progression. I, I After the 10Ks, um, I, I said, well, you know, if I can do a 10K, I'm going to try a half marathon because I just want to keep going. I want to see how my body does. And so my first half marathon was the Rehoboth Beach half um, in Delaware. And I, you know, kind of uh, tricked my friend into going with me. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, we, that was her first half marathon. She had been training with me that whole summer and, and did a bunch of races with me. And she's so awesome. I wrote about her in my book. And, um, and so she was kind of willing to do anything that I was, that I was willing to do except the full marathon. <laughs> I'm still trying to convince her, but, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed training for the half marathon and, and like pushing my body. Oh, can I actually do 10 miles? Wow. Oh my God. I did 10 miles. Oh my God. On my own <laughs> no, with no one telling me to do it. And, um, and so that was, it was really cool. And I got to be outside a lot and, and, uh, and it really did and it, it, in terms of like being a role model for, for my students, my students saw me going out, they would see me in the morning and then I would coach them in the afternoon and they would see me doing long runs on the weekend. And sometimes they would ask me, Hey, can I go with you? Uh, you know, and that was so cool. And that, you know, that kind of just motivated me to keep doing what I was doing. And I, obviously my, my body felt great. I was, you know, my, my job was going well. I, my kid was less sick. Uh, and, um, and so I, you know, I loved it so much and I loved what it did for me and my community that I, um, I was, I think I was open to what next. Right. And mm -hmm. so a colleague of mine asked me, um, you know, if I was interested in signing up for a full marathon, I said, absolutely not. Because <laughs> that was just kind of my, you know, my sort of automatic response. And, and so, um, but, you know, she said, well, you know, because you're doing so many half marathons, you should probably consider a full marathon. How about, how about you do the Marine Corps marathon with me next year? And I said, that's an awful idea. Let's sign up. <laughs> Let's and I was it. back and that was the last year that you could actually just sign up for the marathon without it being a lottery. And this is 2011, right? This is 2011. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So once I signed up, I was in, you know, I was, I, I tr trained, uh, you know, I just really looked forward to the long runs and I, to, to this day, that is the run that I look forward to the most is the long run. Cause mm -hmm. I love planning it. I love seeing, you know, you know, if I recover faster, if I'm you know better, if I'm if I could sustain a particular pace for a longer time, and it's just it's always a challenge, and it's always a welcome challenge, and so um, so I learned to do that, and um, you know my my first eighteen miler, um, my very very first eighteen miler, I'd done fifteen miles, I'd done sixty miles, and so the next long run was an eighteen miler, and I was pretty I was pretty nervous about it because I I didn't have anybody that I knew that would that ran that long so I had to go out by myself on a trail in New Jersey and uh I didn't out and back I didn't have enough water uh <laughs> I said it no you know I didn't have enough gels and um but I had but I had some and and so I, I did the nine miles and after nine miles I stopped at the side of the trail and I said oh my god I don't I don't think I can I don't think I can do the rest <laughs> But good thing it was an out and back because I had to get back to my car. Right? Um, and so as I'm standing at the side of the trail, uh, a, a, a man runs by 
who I would learn his his name is uh Ralph. And uh he he ran by, he saw me standing at the side of the trail and he stopped, came back and and uh said, Hey, are you all right? I'm like, um, I think so. <laughs> uh he's like, What are you what are you what are you training? What are you training for? How many miles are you running? 18. He's like, Well, where are you now? I said, nine. Um, and I, I guess I looked a little dazed. Um, and so uh he said, Well, are you are you all right? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, okay, uh, so, you know, you got nine more miles to go. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, what are you training for? I was in the Marine Corps marathon. He's like, oh, you know, my, my girls are out here doing 22 for the Marine Corps. I'm like, and I could not even fathom that many miles. And I was like, wow. He's like, well, he was like, you know, do you have water on you? I was like, oh, I got a little bit lost. He's like, do you have a gel? I was like, yeah. He's like, take your gel. <laughs> Here I'm like listening to this guy I don't know. He's like, take your gel. He's like the um, run whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. Because you gotta, gotta get back to your car, right? I'm like, yeah. So I took the gel. He's like, drink, he's like, drink, you know, drink up. And and I like finished my water there. And he said, and he's like, Well, good luck. And and uh let me know. Let me know if you want to join us on a run. You know, my name is Ralph. We have a group. We meet every week on this trail. Um, you know, we'll see you later. You know, we're on Facebook. Look us up on Facebook. And, uh, and I was like, and that just kind of like enlivened me again. And I was able to finish, you know, albeit with a lot of chasing (laughs) and like my feet hurt. And, and I was so proud of myself for having done 18 miles all on my own, you know, with this, even the trail whisperer, (laughs) uh, and his intervention. And, uh, and then I became a part of his, his group. I looked him up on Facebook and, and then, uh, there was this whole, community uh that opened up to me then and so um so I did you know did the the Marine Corps marathon after that and talk to me about crossing the finish line at the Marine Corps marathon holy holy crap it was I was in a lot of pain and the reason I was in a lot of pain I mean obviously it was my first marathon and like it's painful right but I'd also uh fractured my ankle the very first week of training oh okay (laughs) uh on a a uh, trail half marathon down in it was the North Face Endurance Challenge down in um, DC uh, or outside of DC rather, and uh, uh, three miles into that, three and a half miles into that, into that, I fractured my ankle. I thought it was a sprain, and I finished the half, <laughs> uh, and then my foot blew up <laughs> afterwards. And so I, you know, I had eight weeks of of recovery from that, and then uh, and then I had to continue training for this this. Uh, marathon and so I was you know had my my foot was really really hurting and my body was hurting and you know um but I but I finished and and uh when I crossed that finish line um after like doubting myself uh, and, and wondering why I was doing this to myself you know all those things that we think of as runners um why am I why am I doing this <laughs> why did I sign up for this um to cross that uh, finish line after going up the last point two uh, up to the Iwo Jima statue um, in Arlington and having a, the Marines put the medal over your head, uh, that was a really, that was another cathartic moment. Um, I was like, wow, I, wow, I did this. Oh my goodness. I, I don't believe I finished. Oh my goodness. I'm never doing this again. And then the next minute, I have to do this again. Yep. <laughs> I have to get better. I have to, I want to, I want a better time. I want to not hurt at the end. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that's never happened. I still always hurt at the end <laughs> after 11 marathons. Um, but I keep going back because there's something about it. There's something about, you know, fighting back those, those demons of, of insecurity or 
thinking that you can't do something, there's something about crossing that finish line uh, and, and the, the entire journey up to that, that is just so worth it over and over again. I learn something about myself every single time. I love that. So then talk to me all about briefly. I mean, you just threw out the number 11 marathons. You obviously went on to run farther than 26.2 miles in one stint. So where are we at from a numbers perspective when it comes to marathons and ultras and all of the things that you brave mm-hmm. in the world? Sure. <laughs> so I'm um, up to 14 ultras, uh, anywhere from 50K to 100K. I've only done one 100K. Um, How long does it take you to do something like that? Um, you know what? It was my only one. It took me over a day. <laughs> oh, yeah. It took me over a day. It was a Havelina 100, 100K. I'd never gone past 35 miles and, and you know, one stint. <laughs> And so uh, it was in the desert and I mean, I was trained, but um, I mean, it was a new beast. It was an entirely, entirely new thing for me. And so uh, the first 50K went so well. And, it, you know, again, I'm slow. It took me about 10 hours to do the first 50K um, at work, maybe, maybe a little less than 10 hours. And then, um, and then that third loop of 15 and a half miles was, you know, when it was nightfall and I... <laughs> And uh, my lamp went out, <laughs> my headlamp went out and I didn't have an extra until I reached the, uh, the midway uh, aid station. And then, um, and then I was hallucinating and, and I couldn't eat. And so it was a really, really, really slow loop. And, uh, and so, but the last loop was, you know, the sun was coming up and I felt better. They had forced me to eat and drink <laughs> and have some ginger and, and uh and broth and so i um you know sort of like felt felt like myself again and and i finished and that was a really really incredible thing and that i i didn't really i didn't really get how spectacular it was uh because i was in such a daze yeah (laughs) at the end because i was i had been up for like 40 hours And so, you know, it was really, really cool to see that my body could do that and that I could, I could stay up that long and, and continue moving through the night among cacti <laughs> in the complete darkness. And so that was really cool. But like, you know, the other races that I've done, uh, the, the 50Ks and the 35 milers and the, the, the 160K that I did in the city, you know, I, they've all held challenges for me. I have tried, I've started many, many other races that I haven't finished, um, you know, for various reasons. Um, but uh, so I, I've finished 14 ultras and then 11 uh, marathons, both road marathons and trail marathons. I love that. Wow. How outstanding. And I think it's funny. I, I believe today that I liked a tweet that from someone that said, I don't care how good of a runner you might be. If you're super experienced, if you're a total newbies, going out and running a 10 mile is never quote unquote casual. It's never easy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I read that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, never an easy 10 miler. So I mean, please, you're 100k hit tackling a casual 62.137 miles it's a really big deal it, it's you know what and what was funny was that i was hungry for a month <laughs> i was hungry and thirsty for an entire month and it's what is wrong with my body <laughs> and then um uh so the week after i like took the week off after that whole experience because you know it was a new thing i didn't know if i should be running or whatever but a friend of mine made me out maybe go out and run trails the following saturday and i was like oh 
I can run now. <laughs> like I can still run. I can, you know, I'm still tired. I very tired, but, uh, but I, my body knows what to do. Uh, and so that's the beauty of running and, and doing hard things. Your body just kind of knows what to do. Sometimes your mind does not agree. <laughs> totally. Your body knows what to do. Totally. So then talk to me about what is on your radar now. I know you mentioned you're going to have this surgery in a few weeks, but when you've tackled so, so many races, what is it that's still on your to-do list? So I actually have all these races that uh, TCS, the you know company that sponsors the TCS New York City Marathon, and all these races that I'm supposed to do this this year uh, that obviously have been canceled. Um, so I have all of those races to do next year. So I've got the TCS New York City Marathon. I've got the TCS Amsterdam Marathon to do. I have this race in. Sweden called the Lidinga Lopet, uh, 30K to do. And then um, I'm going to have my choice of the New York City half or um, London uh, marathon next year. So uh, so I'll be, you know, hopefully uh, fully recovered from uh, this uh, the surgery. I'll be doing those. And uh, I got an invite to go out to uh, UTMB. So I won't be doing UTMB because that's crazy. What is that? What is that? Uh, UTMB is the Ultra Trail Mont, Mont Blanc uh, over in Chamonix in France. So uh, I will, uh, again, not do that. Uh, it's over 100 miles. I uh, will not be doing that. But um, uh, hopefully I will be able to. And this really depends on whether or not I'm able to still like kind of like uh, crash downhill. Uh, <laughs> um, the, there's a 40K and it's there. It's the fun run. <laughs> That has like 7,500 feet of vertical gain. A fun run. It's for the volunteers and the the people and the locals. So, so that's my hopes. I'll be doing that, and I will be hosting some other retreats. I've got one in uh, in the Azores uh, that is connected to the Azores Trail Run, um, where I do the 25k, um, and, uh, and then I got I will be going out to the Broken Arrow Sky Race. I'll bring my retreat out there as well. You've got nothing going on in summary. No, I mean, like, I'm not busy. Not busy at all. all. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't really have anything to dream for. Um, <laughs> and I'll probably, I'll probably um, have some bike events in there too. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm super excited for 2021. Even if, you know, things are canceled again, I'm excited for the, the possibilities of, you know, kind of changing the paradigm of what we do now and uh, being outside more and um, just, you know, moving my body in that way. I dig that. And right now, if I look at your Instagram, you have somewhere around 110,000 followers. And when they come to your page, they see exactly the woman that you're really describing. Someone that loves to be active now that's riding a bike a whole lot. That's always on the trail. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Um, Well, right now I see a busted lip, but... (laughs) I um I definitely see someone who really tries to um exude joy, the joy that is within, like the really, really um authentic joy that I have. I'm not always joyful, but like I'm mostly joyful. Um I actually have a lot of like a lot of 
personal things going on right now that aren't necessarily um, happy. But um, so yeah, I try to stay positive uh, in every and all things. How do you find that positivity when it feels like things are just coming at you one after the next? I think that having experienced um, a lot of positivity in my life, even though there also is a lot of negativity, but having having the experience of 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 goodness and and hope and joy is a great reminder that it it is out there when things are hard and when things are difficult or challenging. So that's what I look to. That's what I look to. I look to that that joy that I have experienced, that positivity that I experienced, all the good things that I have um, had the opportunity to experience. Um, those are embedded in my. They're embedded in my conscious and in my in my memory. And so I I look to those when I'm when I'm having a difficult time. What would you say the best piece of advice that you've been offered has been on the run? Actually, just recently. <laughs> My coach likes to invoke all of these sort of like contemporary philosophers, uh, Ryan Holiday being one of them. And uh, he said, you know, this whole bike thing is good for you. He said, you know, the obstacle is the way. Ryan Holiday has a book that's called The Obstacle is the Way. And he's like, I think that is what you are experiencing and what what you're good at, like seeing an obstacle, a potential obstacle as the way forward. And so I think that's a really apt piece of advice. Uh, It's an apt uh, way of thinking of things that look like they are a challenge. They might be a challenge. And and this thing I'm experiencing now is definitely a challenge. It's a physical challenge. It's a mental challenge. It's a spiritual challenge. But there it this challenge has shown me that i can do other things and i can do them well and um it is an opportunity for me to incorporate those other things into my life and uh and to experience things different ways so um so i love that you know like seeing this obstacle as a way forward I think that's my new, it's my new mantra. The obstacle is the way forward. The obstacle is the way forward. For someone who sees you out there, who thinks what you're doing is rad, but feels like they could never do it themselves, what do you tell them? Sometimes you have to just live with that voice that says that you can't do something and you do it anyway. Sometimes you, you know, we have our, the negative Nellies and the negative Neds (laughs) who tell us that we cannot do something or we're not built to do this particular thing. And you know what? You can have that in one hand, but then you can have the real you that knows that you can do it. Your body knows that you can do this and your heart knows that you can do this. You take that with you and then you go do the thing that you need to do for yourself. I love that. That's such a good piece of advice. Okay. So final question. You have an opportunity right now to offer yourself one piece of advice. Looking back on that hurdle moment, maybe when you're down in Baltimore, feeling not like yourself, or perhaps right after that car ride, that big scare you had, you're feeling unsure about how to move 
forward and, and be there for your son as he gets older. You have the opportunity to offer yourself one piece of advice. What do you tell yourself? Listen to your mind, your body, your heart, your spirit, because they're not telling you anything you don't already know, but sometimes you just need to hear it over and over again and you need to listen to it. So that is exactly what I needed to do then. Um, and I did. And that is why I'm able to be here now standing and happy and pretty successful. Please take a moment and leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode. We all face multiple hurdles in life. I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at emily at hurdle.us. Connect with the podcast, Instagram, Twitter, at hurdle podcast. Mirna, how do they keep up with you? Give me the details. All right. I am on Instagram as the Mernovator. I am on Twitter as the Mernovator. Facebook, Myrna Valerio dash the Mernovator or Fat Girl Running. I have an amazing, amazing group of 16,000, mostly women uh, uh, on Facebook called Fat Girl Running. You don't have to be fat to join. You don't have to be a slow runner. All you have to do is to love running or to want to love running or you can be a walker. <laughs> you can be anything you want. Um, and so we have a, a weight loss diet talk free experience waiting for you and to support you in your athletic endeavors. And so that's that. Um, and I'm also on Patreon as the Mernovator. Check me out. All the things. I have to ask <laughs> you really quick as someone that feels super passionate about building community, what does it mean like in your soul, in your heart, when you go to that page and you see the 16,000 people having important conversations because you were the one that, that triggered these conversations? Oh my goodness. It is, it is so incredible. Every single day I open up that page to see that people are engaging, I think in healthy conversation just about athleticism. And it, it is, you know, that is, it feels like it's my way of sort of giving back and paying forward all of the, all of the goodness that I have received. I want to give it back to people and I want them to be able to pay it forward as well. And so it is, it's a really, really incredible uh, experience. It's an incredible sight. Uh, to, that 6,000 people, 16,000 people, a lot of people. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, it is, it, I really, really look towards like the model of like the good community to, um, to formulate the communities that I do. And, and I'm hoping, I think it's the best community on Facebook. So you should join. I appreciate you. I am at Emily Abadi at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 